Well, hello, everyone. My name is Shuso Brad, and I'm one of the priests at the Dragonfly Sangha. Uh, and this evening, I'd like to continue our series of reflections on the uh, Buddha's words, uh, specifically on the Eightfold Path. Um, now, as uh, Sensei Tony and Shuzo Mike had, had discussed, um, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path were uh, part of the Buddha's first sermon uh, at Deer Park after he was uh, 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 woken up. And it was very diagnostic in its nature. Um, you know, we all suffer. Here's why we suffer, and here's what we can do to not suffer or suffer less. Um, and so he offered the, the Four Noble Truths and then the path to suffer less, the, the Noble Eightfold Path. And we use that word noble a lot. Uh, and, and oftentimes we refer to Buddhism as living nobly in the midst of suffering. Because um, here's the thing, we, we do a lot of things on a daily basis. We, we think, we speak, we act, uh, we earn a living, we contemplate and dwell on things. Uh, we plan. And what the Buddha wanted to do was give us a way to think about doing those things the right way um, so that we relieve suffering in ourselves and in other people. Uh, and right, as, as Sensei Tony and Shuzo Mike have pointed out, is not a, you know, here's your checklist of things you, you know, uh, the only way that you can do it, right? It's more right as in leading to happiness for ourselves and for other people. What's most helpful or useful? Um, so right means what is best in the moment. So what's the right key for that lock or the right clothes for the weather? Because it's hot today or it's cold today. Uh, and so I'd, I'd like to talk a bit about right speech. Um, and from the perspectives of the, the three principles of oneness, right speech is considered compassionate action. So how can we practice right speech? Well, first off, you know, speech is a big part of our lives. You know, speech is, is when we start to externalize a lot of the stuff that's inside us. And we oftentimes interact with the world in a very vocal way, right? Um, and the thing about speech is that it's not just something that we're keeping to ourselves. There's an implied listener involved with speech. It's communication happening between you and one or more people. Um, and so we need to think about our speech as something that we're giving to other people, like a gift. So it's the quality of that gift. You know, and I, I spoke a few weeks ago about how our lives are like incense, right? Because we're all burning. Are we going to give off a sweet smell or one that's not so sweet? And our speech is part of that aroma, of our personal incense that we give off. Now, right speech um, is traditionally meant refraining from uh, four types of speech. So false speech, speech that is divisive, harsh, and idle. And so I'd like to talk briefly about each of those. So the first one, false speech, this is telling lies. Right. And our, our goal as practitioners is to 
relieves suffering by cutting through delusions. So seeing things as they really are, right? And when we lie, we introduce delusion. We delude ourselves. We delude others. So we need to make sure that we're avoiding that. And here's the thing. We've all told lies in the past, big ones, small ones. Uh, I know for me, when I was younger, I always had a habit. If someone would say, uh, hey, did you see that movie? Did you uh, uh, read that book? Have you been to that place? Have you seen this show? Uh, and I'd say, oh, yeah. You know, psh, who hasn't, right? Um, and then I would just clench. <laughs> and I'd hope that they don't, you know, ask for more detail. Because I was saying it to, like, be involved, be included. You know, and say, oh, yeah, I'm one of the people that does that thing. That's been to that place, right? Of course. <clears throat> And oftentimes we tell lies, even small ones, because we want to keep alive a certain story about ourselves, that we're someone who has it all or knows it all, someone who belongs to a certain group, right? Here's the thing, lies are really tricky because they add to more lies. They proliferate very, very quickly because we find that we need to lie to cover up that other lie or lie to keep that other lie going, you know, and tell 15 more lies. And it's very easy to lose track of the truth. And because everything that, you know, we, we know about the world comes through our minds, we can start to forget what's true if we get into that habit of lying so often. So to speak in a way that relieves suffering we want to be honest. We want to create clarity. We want to be known as someone who is trustworthy and who people can talk to because we're honest. We tell the truth. The second kind of speech we want to refrain from is divisive speech. So this is slander, rumors, you know, spreading disunity or disharmony between people. Um... Oftentimes, this involves tearing people down so that we look better. Um, or like I said, spreading rumors about people. Um, and, and despite that sounding like really heavy stuff, like, oh, I'm not going to do that. It's surprisingly easy to find yourself in a situation where you might be tempted. Say you're hanging out with a group of friends or a group of co-workers and they're all talking about one co-worker like, uh, you know, that person over there, they always do that thing. Right, they do that thing, and that really annoys me. Right? Oh man, yeah, I remember when they did that to me. That was awful, gross. Right? And we pile on, we add again from that sense of, well, I want to belong, I want to be part of this group, I want to ingratiate myself to these people, so I'm gonna dislike the same people that they dislike, and I'm just gonna add on to that fire, right? And it can be really tricky. We find ourselves in those kinds of situations. But what we want to do from a position of relieving suffering is we want to speak in a way that encourages empathy and connection, and oneness, right? Because we have a lot more in common than we do things that separate us. Uh, and so in that situation, you know, we might want to say, if we do speak up, we might want to advocate, you know, for the person like, ah, you know, I, I, I know they've had a lot on their plate. Um, so it might just be that they've been really busy. I, I know me, when, I, when I'm in a situation where I'm under a lot of stress, I don't always show up in the best way, right? Um, so we have that connection with the people. Or, or seek to understand, say, why do, you, why do you feel that way? Why are you saying that? 
about that person. Um, or the right thing in that situation might be to not say anything. And by your presence, you know, you you are not feeding in to uh, to that divisive speech and adding to the suffering. The third type of speech that the, the Buddha asks us to avoid is harsh speech. So these are things like, uh, uh, you know, insults or abusive speech or using sarcasm, you know, being impolite and rude, right? Um, and sometimes people justify harsh speech as, well, I'm sticking up for a, a good cause, right? I'm going to yell at these people because they're the bad guy and they're, they're, uh, they're hurting this group or they're hurting this person. Uh, but the problem is when we advocate for people in a harsh way, we, we wind up sort of stirring the pot, so to speak, and we wind up hurting the cause. Because now suddenly people think, oh, well, everyone who believes that behaves like this, right? So it's a fine line. And we need to ask ourselves, am I speaking harshly in this situation because I truly am upset about what's going on? Or am I just angry at that other person or that group? And I have to be heard. I have to say something. And I'm going to make them pay with these hurtful words. Now... There can be abrasive ways of speaking that, um, you know, look, if, if, a, if a kid is reaching for a hot burner, we may not be able to, oh, honey, you want to be very careful not to touch the hot burner, right? No, you're going to yell. You're going to say, oh, no, stop. Don't touch that, right? So there are times where maybe we need to be harsh or we need to be loud. Um, and, and Shuzo Mike talked uh, two weeks ago about upaya or skillful means, right? It's doing things that are right for the situation. All right, so there might be times where we need to use a certain kind of language skillfully to get through to people. But again, it's about that intention. And be careful that your intention is not to cause harm in that situation um, by using angry speech. And again, you know, in the, in the spirit and practice of relieving suffering, our speech should be calming. We should be a kind presence, welcoming to people, as opposed to uh, making people feel like, oh, I, he kind of blows up pretty often. I don't know if I'm really comfortable going up to him. You know, people should feel comfortable approaching us and not turned off by our language. And the fourth uh, thing that we should avoid is idle chatter um, or useless gossip and filler speech. Um, you know, as I was preparing for this talk, I... I I saw a monk who shared the Pali word for uh, idle chatter and is Sampa Palapa, right? Sampa Palapa. And he said, it's like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so this is the blah, blah, blah speech that we should avoid, right? This is when we're communicating nothing of value. Um, it's mindless speech that's just filling a silence or it's keeping the attention on us. Oh yeah, me too. I'm going to, I need to add into this, to this conversation. I don't really have anything useful to add, but I'm going to talk anyway. Um, and here's the thing, you know, you might think, ah, well, uh, the weather talking about the weather, talking about sports and things like that. Like, is that mindless chatter? Should I avoid that? Um, it might be, I mean, but at the same time, if you are building a connection and a relationship with someone over that speech, then that can be very useful, and that's okay. Um, but if you find that your 
you know, just talking for the sake of talking. You're talking because you don't like it being quiet and you're trying to fill that silence and, and the talk is exhausting you. Um, maybe it's not very useful speech. If it's energizing and engaging uh, a speech, then it, it might be much more useful. Um, but oftentimes idle chatter comes from, you know, feeling like oh, I got to I got to look like I'm a part of this group. So I'm just going to say something. So I'm heard so that people will look at me and focus on me and, and hear what I'm saying. Right. So to kind of repeat the four types of speech that we should avoid in this teaching of right speech is false, divisive, harsh, and idle. Now there's a, another part of, of right speech just sort of like the flip side, right? We, we said that speech is a two-way thing. There's a communicator and then there's a listener. And likewise, your practice of right speech can include right listening. Um, and again, to kind of build on, on idle chatter, a lot of times we're offering opinions in situations where we don't have all the information. And so we feel compelled to just talk and talk and talk. And so listening is a great way for us to learn more about the person we're talking to, the situation where we feel compelled to speak. Um, and a, a few years ago, I think about 20 years ago, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh wrote a book, The Heart of the Buddhist Teaching, where he shares just, you know, a lot of the, the, the fundamental teachings of Buddhism. And he talks about right speech. And in there, he talks about uh, uh, how listening is an essential part. Um, and uh, uh, to, to quote Thich Nhat Hanh actually in his book, uh, deep listening is the foundation of right speech. If we cannot listen mindfully, we cannot practice right speech. Because no matter what we say, it will not be mindful because we'll be speaking only our own ideas and not in response to the other person. So again, speech implies a listener. There's a communicator or there's a communication going on two ways. Um, and in our order, we, we practice three clear precepts, right? There's not knowing, bearing witness, and taking action. And listening is a big part of that uh, because we, we need to be okay going into situations and recognizing, like, I don't know, right? Um, I don't know what's going on. Hey, have you seen this movie? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Is it should I watch it? Is it great? Um, have you been to this place? No, I haven't. I don't need to lie and say, oh, yeah, psh, yeah I have. Um, but be okay with not knowing and then bear witness, you know, maybe you feel like, oh, I heard just enough of this situation. This person seems like a bad person. I'm going to pile on to the rumor mill and spread that information along. Hold on. Maybe you don't know. And then bear witness to learn and listen and find out more about that situation and determine what the right, um, action and right words may be. Because again, you know, right speech, it's not just about the things that you say, um, but it's also about the things that you're hearing. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of ways to get information. And you want to be careful that you're not surrounding yourself with words that will influence you to say the wrong things and do the wrong things. Now, certainly there's wrong speech in the world. Hopefully we're not contributing a lot of it, but there is wrong speech in the world. Um... And we can't eliminate that from everybody. We can really only, um, you know, moderate our own speaking. But we should also be 
mindful of the kind of speech that we constantly listen to, right? Don't always be listening to angry words and things like that because it, it will rub off on you. So you want to be mindful of what you're listening to um, in addition to what you're saying. So we talked a bit about right speech and the four things that we shouldn't say. And, and they were taught sort of from the, the, the negative perspective, like here's what you shouldn't do. But if we kind of reframe those as things we should do, we, we see that the, the practice of right speech encourages us to say what's true, to speak in ways that bring people together rather than divide and isolate them. Um, so come from a, a speak from a place of oneness as opposed to separateness. Use a tone that is gentle and caring and kind and speak mindfully so that we're saying things that are intentional and helpful to people. And as a part of your practice, right speech is also a, a great opportunity for you to learn. Because look, we're, we're not perfect. There are going to be times where we're going to use wrong speech. Okay. And in those situations, we want to find out why we did it. You know, I know in, in times where I've spoken out in anger, um, you know, I, I feel that in my body. I feel a tension right? My heart rate goes up. My breathing is faster. I go into that fight or flight mode. Like there's my body feels that anger. It's uncomfortable. So when we do speak wrong, right? If we tell a lie or we speak, you know, we, we feed into the rumor mill, we use harsh speech or we're just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Notice what's going on in your body and then identify the emotions and the thoughts that encouraged you to say those things. Um, and oftentimes what we'll find is when we speak out of anger or we tell lies or we're spreading rumors, we're doing it from a place of, of selfishness and, and defense, right? And fear because we're like, well, I have to keep this story going, this narrative going where, you know, I'm on top, right? The other person's wrong and I'm, I'm the person who's right and I have this and I'm cool and I'm funny and I'm all of these things, right? Because oftentimes we found ourselves trapped by this notion of, well, I, I, my value comes from the things that I do and the things that I have as opposed to who I am, right? And in our, in the four directions teaching, we have, uh, the, the model of esteem versus confidence, or being versus doing and having. Or the true self versus the ego self. And we get really caught up with the ego self and letting the ego self kind of take the reins, right? Rather than letting our true self, our Buddha nature, manifest in our words and in our actions. And so wrong speech gives us an opportunity to learn. Say, why did I say that? Why did I say that the way that I said that? You know, and you identify that emotion or that thought. Um, and then you can ask the four questions. So what isn't true about that thought? What belief is causing this? Is it that, that um, you know, I'm letting the ego sort of run things as opposed to letting my true self, my Buddha nature, um, come out in my words? Has anyone else 
been in a similar similar situation, right? Recognize that oneness. Um, and what can I do differently? What creative action can I take as a result of what I've learned here? Now, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, speaking sort of digitally, right? Because while the, the Buddha's teachings are timeless and the, the Eightfold Path is just as useful now as it was, you know, 2,600 years ago, there are applications of some of these teachings that are a bit newer. And so technology has made our ability to speak you know, the, the volume and the, the, the scope and reach of the things that we say is so much bigger now than it was back then. We don't have to be in person. We have social media. So we can post things out to big groups of people and they stay there for years and years and years as long as the computers keep running, right? So we need to be very mindful of what we say. Because if we hurt someone one-on-one, -on -one, if we say something to someone and uh, it, it makes them upset, we can apologize and we can make that right. But in social media, our words get frozen. And people will come back and visit those words and assume that, well, you still feel that way, right? It's like carrying around a little signboard that says, hey, here's here's what I thought, you know, June 2009. And I still think that today. It's not necessarily true, though, right? So you need to be very careful of the things that you say um, and be very mindful and skillful and make sure that those things are useful because it's it's not the same. People will assume that you're always there saying that thing to them every time they read it. So there, are, I, I wanted to, to offer five things that you should consider, that we should consider when we use social media to ensure that we're speaking from a place of compassionate action. Um, and this ties in very closely with, with uh, the, the parts of right speech. So the first one, is it true? Ask yourself, is, is what I'm going to post true? Is it factual? Is it based on facts? Next, is it helpful? Is it beneficial to everyone? Third, is it kind? Is it grounded in goodwill and, and a good intention? Next, is it pleasant to hear? Is it endearing? Will it endear people to you? Is it gentle? And then lastly, is it timely? And is it appropriate in the moment? Because remember, right speech is not, here's some stuff I can say and I can always say it because it's right speech. Is it right for the moment? Is it the right jacket for the weather? <laughs> right? Is it the right time to say that thing? And you may think, you know what? Yep, I'm, I'm spitting truth. It's this person needs to hear it. I'm going to be as gentle as I can. Um, you know, and my intention is to help that person. But ask yourself, is the person ready to hear it? Have you built the connection with this person that it's appropriate to say to them and that they'd be able to hear it with the spirit that you intend to say it and that may not be true and you might need to reach out to that person in a different spirit you know one of inquiry and learning and not knowing as opposed to declaration and teaching right and that's hard to do because again we we 
come to these situations a lot of times with like, well, yeah, I'm doing this for the right reasons. But ask yourself, is your is that your intention? And is now the right time? So is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it pleasant? And is it timely? And remember, too, there's a there's a sixth thing uh, or there's, there's another option in a situation like this. You don't have to say something. Don't think that you always have to put words out there. That is, if you don't have anything useful or helpful to offer, it's okay to stay silent. Because silence can also be noble and right. Uh, the right jacket for the weather, the right key for the lock. To say nothing. So, I hope that you have found this talk useful. Um, and as always, if you want to learn more about our practice or would like someone to talk to, um, you can visit us at AskSenseiTony.com. Uh, but I hope you all have a, a great rest of your week. And uh, thank you for your time today. <laughs>